Hello and welcome to another Cricket World Cup wrap here on the Top Order podcast. Overnight, Afghanistan and South Africa completed their group league stage of the Cricket World Cup, with South Africa wrapping up a pretty comfortable victory in the end over Afghanistan to end their tournament. We'll break that down, all of that and more, and look forward to tonight's games between Australia and Bangladesh and England and Pakistan with Rajan Baldi. All that and more coming up on the Top Order Podcast Crick World Cup Daily Rap Show. That one. Morning, Raj. How you doing? <laughs> Morning. Welcome I'm, back. I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. I'm feeling very bleary-eyed this morning, but excited to get into it. Me too. Uh, well, South Africa, again, wrapping up another comfortable victory against Afghanistan, this time chasing down 244 for victory in the 48th over, which looks like a pretty comfortable chase. And I think it was really in the end, South Africa pretty much in control all the way through their innings uh, with a couple of hiccups along the way. Um, Afghanistan obviously finished their tournament now with four wins, five losses, and we'll get into to some of the talking points there. But uh, what did you take away from uh, the match overnight? Yeah, look, it's. Uh, I think we're probably going to focus a little bit more on South Africa than uh, you know than Afghanistan. But Afghanistan's had a great tournament, and we should really wrap up something with them uh, later on this this podcast. But I think South Africa will be happy with their performance. Uh, they will be a little disappointed in in the first innings, letting uh, Afghanistan get out to to two forty four. Uh, a great innings there from Azmat. Uh, a little rearguard action with uh, Rashid Khan and and Nora made batting with them in, in two solid partnerships to close out the innings. But ultimately, I think it was just a little light. Uh, it felt a little light. The pitch actually looked uh, like a good pitch to bat on. I saw most of that first innings um, last night as well. Um, but yeah, ultimately a good performance. Uh, they were able to chase it down easily. A great opening partnership with um, Kagisa uh, Rabada, with uh, Quinton de Kock and Tim, Timba Bavuma. Bavuma will be disappointed with how he got out. And then uh, Rusty van der cleaning up towards the end. A good 76 not out. Patient, batted the innings, batted in partnerships, and got the job done ultimately for South Africa. Well, and that's it for today's Top Order Podcast <laughs> Cricket World Cup wrap. Raja summed it up perfectly. But I think you have. I think you have. Um, I think we do need to give credit to Azmat. I mean, he almost, he was within a whisker of, of one shot, really, of bringing up the second consecutive 100 and would have been the second 100 for Afghanistan batters at World Cups. And their batters generally have been really good in this tournament. I think, you know, we talked a lot about Gerbaz. We talked a lot about Ibrahim, their openers, you know, having to do the bulk of the work. But they have had, uh, excuse me, contributions from their middle order throughout this World Cup, just not all at the all at the same time. And, you know, we know that Rashid can give us some helicopter towards the back end of the innings. And, you know, Afghanistan put up a a tricky chase uh, if South Africa lost early wickets, but as you say, they they kept their order together. I think for South Africa, they'll be pretty pleased with the fact that they got four wickets out of Gerald Kutsia. He came into the game alongside Andili Filiqueo, and both of those guys performed with ball and bat respectively. So I think for South Africa, uh, a hit out for those guys ahead of the semi-final against Australia is, is a good thing for them if an injury comes up. And we'll talk about the injury to Timber Bavuma in just a second. But I think from a bowling perspective for South Africa, it was just a tune-up game for them, really. Uh, they, they couldn't finish any lower than a semi-final against Australia. They had a point to prove, I think, in terms of deciding that they wanted to chase instead of bat first. Uh, so there were a lot of boxes for them to tick, and I think they ticked most of them off pretty comfortably uh, in this game. Uh, you have a look at their chase, you know, 247 for five. There's contributions all around the the kind of anchor role for Russi van der Dusen. And we say anchor role, he still struck at 80, but 
76 off 95 and, and guys sort of contributing around him. And then, as as we said, Adili Filiqueo, 39 not out off 37, brought it home. So there's lots to like about that South African performance. But mm. for me, the, the talking point is, you know, Afghanistan were only really one wicket away here. Four yeah. for 140, the game was really on. David Miller gets out at five for 180. And, you know, if... If Afghanistan could have wrangled out one more wicket, Rusty van der Dusen in particular, there was a real game on here. Um, but South Africa did a good job, I think, of making sure that we avoided the dreaded C word and built some uh, vaunted M word, uh, your favourite word, Raj, mm-hmm. building into that semi final against Australia. Yeah, and you're right because of the the balance they had in in their lineup. You know, adding uh, Fukuoka, they did have a little bit more depth than they may have had uh, previously if they played an extra spinner. But there was a little chink in that chase, and you, you mentioned it. It was that day when David Millard out. Uh, it did expose um, Sri Lanka. Uh, sorry, it did expose South Africa to to uh, losing another wicket and being in some real trouble. David Miller, I saw a lot of his batting. I went back and saw a little bit of it this morning. Uh, he looked a little uh, tentative, and the way he got dismissed was just a little pushback to the bowler. I think he'll he'll be disappointed, but that's not the David Miller that we need to see. Uh, that's not the that's not the David Miller that South Africa need. They need a David Miller that is uh, very very. Uh, is it, I've just got a message there. He's very. They need a David Miller that is uh, in, inhibited. Uninhibited, even. Uninhibited. They need a David Miller that is batting uninhibited. At the moment, he is, in that chase, he wasn't doing that. Yeah, I think, you know, generally speaking, South Africa are a better setting side because they can bat with an uninhibited kind of view. Mm. There are sides that are are better at chasing. I think New Zealand's one of them. Um, Can I just ask a question quickly mm. on uh, Gerald Kutsia? I actually uh, saw, saw a lot of his bowling last night. I thought he was incredible. He bowled great areas, and he's actually bowling... Some real red ball areas that I think will be good in, in in red ball cricket. He's actually got a good start to his career. What do you make of of Kutsia and, and his bowling? He's kind of snuck up on us a little bit. You know, there's bigger names in that South African lineup. We've been talking about the spinners as well, but uh, Kutsia has really actually bowled well for this torn in this tournament. He's been one of my finds. Yeah, he's bowled pretty well, hasn't he? And you know, if he is bowling those good red ball areas, I think it's one of those um, one of those bowlers that can really challenge Australia in a semi final. I think you know. Warner and Head are susceptible to nicking off early doors if you get the ball in the right areas. We saw it in Australia's last pool game. Both Head and Warner were dismissed early. Head's ball uh, that he nicked off to was was outstanding. So I think if, if South Africa can get the ball in the right areas against Australia, particularly on a hard length, it can make it quite difficult for Australia to get away. Um, what I think they do need to do is make sure they don't bowl any width to either of those two batters. So there's a bit of a formula there for South Africa, but it's good to see there's some depth emerging in their bowling. They've they've used you know Lundy and Gidi, they've used Rabada, they've used uh, Marco Janssen. Um, I, I think it would have been good for Janssen to have a hit out against Afghanistan leading into the semi final. He didn't have a great outing last outing. There's been a lot spoken in the media about his his mental state, you know, um, the noise around his performance. You know, he admitted that he was very nervous going into the last game. So, you know, I would have liked maybe to have seen Marco Janssen in this last hit out, maybe instead of one of the the bigger names, Rabada or Ngidi or, 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 um, or, or any of those guys, to give him a little bit of confidence going into the semifinal. But as an Australian fan, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Um, any any weakness that we that, that the Australian team can exploit, I'm sure they'll try and do so. But 
yeah, Gerald Kutsia has been a bit of a find in this tournament, Raj. And, and if you've got him in your book, then then that's awesome. He's only, what, 23, 23, yeah. 24, played a couple of test matches. He's played 13 ODIs now. Average is only 23. So, you know, he's got a good average with the ball. His strike rate's only 21. He's already got two forfers. So, you know, he's got a promising career ahead of him, and he bowls pretty good wheels as well. You also mentioned um, Timba Bavuma's injury. Uh, he has played through this, this hamstring injury, which he has got. Uh, batted through it. There's a there's a great headline here saying, uh, "I'll have to be fine." As a quote from from Timber Bavuna. Bavuna, what do you make of of him and his injury playing through it? There has been a lot of negative reaction to it. Yeah, there seems to be quite a lot of negative reaction. As in, why would he play play through the injury? I guess he probably wanted to have a bat um, and as a tune up for the for the potential semi final. He did get to 23 off 28 before he was caught. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know. Uh, I wonder if he sort of assessed it as, look, I've tweaked it. It's not serious. I don't think I'm going to make it any worse by playing. Uh, but he certainly was pretty ginger getting around the field. He didn't go off for, for very long. Um, and I think that's probably because he wanted to have have a bat in the chase. Um, it wasn't like I don't think, you know, South Africa were ever in real danger of, of needing him in that chase. But, you know, his contribution at the top of the order with Quinton de Kock was important. And it may just be that he just, he just doesn't want to miss out. You know, if he gets... If he gets um, some time off and Reza Hendricks comes in and, and does a good job as he did when um, when Bavuma was down with illness for a couple of games. He might not see a spot in the final should South Africa make it through. So um, there's it's a very competitive South African side at the moment. What were your thoughts on, on that injury? Did it look bad in the field? He looked a bit ginger there at a couple of points. He looked a bit ginger, but he looked like he had the he, he was able to play through it. And, and ultimately, you have to trust a, a professional athlete to judge themselves and their bodies and, and let them uh, do what, what, what they believe they can in that situation. So I fully back him. Whatever he wants to do, I am behind him. Um, I do like his quote too. I have to be right. Yeah, I have to be right. I like it. Uh, we will, I guess, sum up. Uh, you know, when we talk in the review show about all the teams, and we'll save a special place for for Afghanistan. But with victories against England, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and Netherlands, their their campaign has come to an end. Uh, just some quick summary summary thoughts around their performance at this World Cup. Far and away, exceeding expectations. You know, you have to give them on the cricket field. You have to give them an A, really, in terms of their performance. Um, I don't think anybody really expected Afghanistan, other than maybe the Afghanistan squad themselves, to beat any of those sides that mm. you mentioned, other than maybe the Netherlands. Um, I don't think anyone really gave them any realistic expectation of winning maybe more than one or two games in this World Cup. They've won four. They've, they, they'll finish on, potentially, depending on how games go tonight, on the same number of wins as England and Sri Lanka combined, mm. both former World Cup winning countries. England won the last World Cup, just. Um, did they? So, you like that? <laughs> you like what I did there? Um, so, you know, they, they've, they've performed outstandingly well. They've unearthed some, some great young batters. They've, you know, we've, we've got what we expected to see from... Their experienced spinners in, you know, Nabi Khan, Noor Ahmad. I'm glad they played him. I'm glad that he got some game time. So, look, things are looking up for for, for men's cricket in Afghanistan. And if we can get their women's side uh, more involved in the game, I know a lot of them are playing at sort of grade cricket in Australia. But mm. that's that's the way forward, I think, for Afghanistan as a, as a nation is to get their women's side more involved as well. Hopefully, if, if we can navigate our way through those murky waters. But just focusing on the men's side, 
uh, they've been way above expectation in this tournament, and I think they should hold their heads up high because they've exceeded just about everyone's expectations. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, you mentioned some big names there, the Rashid Khans, Noor Ahmed, Mujib, uh, Naveen, these are the, Nabi, these are names that we know, we've heard of. They're all on one side of the ball. They're bowlers who can bat a little bit. It was really good to see some the emergence of some real uh, decent artillery with with their batting. That innings overnight by Azmat, and I saw the I saw pretty much all of the innings of Zadran in their previous match, the hundred he scored. They were great hundreds. They were hundreds that they would score against any opposition, and I'm happy to see that they're becoming a more well-rounded side. And they're going to cause they've they've made the Champions League now. They're going to cause some upsets going in, and there will be a point in time where we change it from they're not really. The outsiders, they are probably, you know, they might not be the favourites, but they can beat anyone on their day if they if they turn up. You've got to you've got to be be awake to the possibility that they could beat you. A hundred percent, and and we've seen that now. We've we've we're there at that point now mm. uh, that that you have to prepare well against Afghanistan. You know what you're going to get. They're not going to surprise you with um, something that you're not going to be prepared for. We, you know, they're going to bowl well in the spin. You know, their, their top five are going to bat well. So you know, you're not going to get too many surprises there. But they are. I have to say they surprised me with just how professional they were on the cricket field. And I don't mean that as in a condescending, you know, well done to the emerging nation. They've got a professional cricket unit. They were professional by comparison mm. to some of those sides that they beat. You know, they, they were more professional in the way that they played the game than England were. They were more professional in the way that they played the game than Sri Lanka were. They, they out proed those sides on the day, uh, which is a big compliment that I can pay to to Afghanistan cricket because they went about their game in a very measured, very calm, very professional manner. And they knew what they had to do and they executed their plans well. So, you know, I think some of that has to come down to Jonathan Trott and his coaching staff preparing them well for games. Uh, but they looked like a really polished cricket side. Okay, so I 100% agree with that. And that's going to be a good review show, I think, when we talk about them. Um there's Absolutely. two things I want to talk about just to round out the show. I've got two two things to talk about. First question for you is we've drawn a, a, a semi-final similar to the 1990, 1999 World Cup final, South Africa versus Australia. That was an absolute nail-biter. How are you feeling uh, in this round? How, how, how is this going to go down for you? Are you going to be nervous going in? Are you going to get some sleep or are you going to try and stay up? Tell us all about how you're going to deal Ooh. with this fixture. It, it, I am nervous, to be honest, because this is a, a little bit of a different South African side than we saw in 1999. South Africa were, were probably the best side in the tournament in 1999 up until that semi-final. They they were strong favourites to win. Um, they're probably favourites again in this game against Australia, to be fair. Um, but I think South Africa this time around are a little bit more prepared for that mental battle. Um, you saw some evidence of that last night in the Afghanistan game. South Africa won the toss. They decided that they wanted to chase and they wanted to do so because they needed practice at chasing. They needed to be prepared for that situation if in the context of a semi-final or a final, they were asked to do so. So they're preparing themselves for contingencies that I don't think maybe the South African side of 1999 prepared for themselves as well as this, this 2023 edition of South Africa. They've got firepower up and down the park, South Africa, in this 2023 edition of the World Cup. I think their batting unit is as good as India's, um, sort of one through six. Their bowling unit is is very, very good, particularly if Marco Janssen performs to the level that we have seen from him. So as an Australian fan, 
uh, and I'll put my Australian fan hat on here. I am I am nervous for Australia. I think Australia have almost as good a batting lineup as South Africa, but it's not quite as explosive. Um, Maxwell notwithstanding. Um, Australia needs some contributions out of guys that haven't really stepped up in this tournament yet as much. Mm. Uh, if you have a look at the comparison between, say, the wicketkeepers, de Kock versus Inglis, they've got massive contributions from Quinton de Kock, not so much from Josh Inglis. Haven't got much from Stoinis as compared to um, David Miller, for example. Uh, but there are there are match winners in that Australian lineup uh, up and down the order. Maxwell, obviously, we, we know is one of those. So I think both sides will be a, bit, a little bit weary of each other. And I think what we'll be telling is which team comes out and plays, as you said earlier, Raj, in an uninhibited fashion. Which team is prepared to throw off the shackles, the nerves, put aside the noise and really get down to playing the cricket that they can play at their best. And I think the team that does that the earliest in the game will start to wrestle a bit of momentum away from the other team. Um, and I think that could be a deciding factor for Australia or South Africa in that uh, in that semi-final. Yeah, and yes, thanks for um, highlighting when I used the word inhibited rather than uninhibited. No, but you're uh, 100% right. But that, yes, you're 100% right. It was a great segue because it leads me to why I got that mixed up and we got a point slipped into our run sheet just as we were as we were talking there and that is about the Sri Lankan uh, Sri Lanka being suspended by the ICC. So this is a little bit of a developing story which we'll pick up over the next oh, wow. little 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 uh, little while, but it is to do with the intervention from the you know sh- the political intervention in Sri Lanka with the Sri Lankan minister there. Uh, we've seen it before with the likes of you know Zimbabwe and things like this. There is no current uh, punishment punishment or. Uh, recourse around what that means, that where they've, how they've been suspended, but um, all we know is that there will be some repercussions. Maybe some, uh, you know, they'll need to demonstrate how they are going to, I don't know, fix the selection policies going through. How they're going to keep the politics out of it, which which I like. I think that's something that we need to. That's important for the game. You mentioned Afghanistan there as well, um, but yeah, more to come on that story. But uh, that's something I just wanted to, to, to slip in there because it is, it is yeah. an important story. Breaking news on the Top Order podcast. Thank you for breaking that, Raj. Yeah, look, South Africa have had... That's not South Africa. Sri Lanka have had uh, challenges with the political intervention in their cricket for a long, long time now. That country is obviously going through both political and economic upheaval. Um, They tried to sack their board uh, and reinstate it with another board. I believe that that move has been rejected. Um, So there's, there's, there's... there's some turmoil going on in both in that country and in and in cricket in that country. And for the benefit and the moving forward of international cricket, we hope that that can be sorted out quickly. Um, but yeah, a big move from the ICC to potentially suspend uh, Sri Lanka until that is resolved, because I don't think that's a quick fix for Sri Lankan cricket. So huge news. Thanks for breaking it, Raj. Uh, tonight, we've got a double header just before we drop off the pod uh, and finish the finish the day in this daily wrap. Uh, Australia play Bangladesh tonight and an interesting game England Pakistan tonight uh, champions trophy potentially qualification on the line for both Bangladesh and England depending on uh, net run rate so lots to play for for those sides Uh, potentially World Cup final uh, qualification is on offer for Pakistan they need to beat England batting first by more than 287 runs to sneak ahead of New Zealand so tall orders for Pakistan tonight uh, to, to beat England by a healthy margin, almost a record margin, if they were to qualify for the semi-finals. 
any uh, sort of summary comments on either of those two matchups, things you're expecting, Raj, before we finish the pod? I know it's quite easy to gloss over some of these fixtures in the back end of the tournament that don't have direct bearing on semi-final qualifications. Yeah, look, I will be watching both games. I'll be paying more attention, I think, to the, to the English England Pakistan game, or at least to the to the beginning of it, depending on who's batting first or, or bowling first. But it, it is it is interesting to have fixtures where there are implications, especially for one side. Like you know, a lot of times when you get to this stage of the tournament, they're going through the motions. You know, the the top four is sorted, but the uh, Champions League qualification has added an extra layer of of complexity or, or interest. Maybe interest is a better word to use. Uh, you know, those top seven they're qualifying for the Champions Trophy, and yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a battle and. Um, I am looking forward to, to seeing the results of those games, but really, for me, it's England versus England versus Pakistan. Uh, I hope England do the job for us as Kiwis, uh, but um, yeah, I, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, New Zealand fans will be glued to the toss at Eden Gardens. Uh, coming up, Trumps and England uh, batting first means that uh, New Zealand will automatically qualify if Pakistan win the toss and bat first, then Uh, They remain alive in the tournament for then. Uh, And then a couple of nervous hours for New Zealand fans to see what kind of uh, total Pakistan post. Anything less than 287 and New Zealand are automatically through to the World Cup semifinals. Thank you, uh, Raj, for your time on the the Top Order podcast this morning. Always enjoyable uh, chatting cricket with you. We'll be back again tomorrow on the Top Order podcast for yet another uh, wrap of this Cricket World Cup on a daily basis, uh, covering off that Australia-Bangladesh and England-Pakistan game, and then looking forward to the last fixture of the tournament, which will be India and the Netherlands, which will round out the group stage, and then onwards and upwards towards the semi-finals. Raj, it was great to talk to you this morning, and thank you listeners and viewers for joining the both of us on the Top Order podcast. We'll see you again tomorrow.